a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to the second part of this week's venture here on the It's Utah's World podcast, Tom Haggard, Steve Bartle. With you all, as uh, as always, uh, I guess kind of part two of the It's Utah's World podcast this week. As, as the, the game's been ticking by, we've been trying to do two episodes. We have been doing two episodes a week. Yes. Uh, yeah. We have. Yeah, that's Steve Bartle, by the way, everybody. Um <laughs> You know, the first the first part is, is recapping the game. The second part uh, will be the, the preview of the upcoming game. It's the, the Colorado Buffaloes, the undefeated Colorado Buffaloes at that. This week, Folsom Field, Boulder, Colorado is the venue. Uh, Saturday, prime time, big noon kickoff on Fox. It was moved. So hopefully all of our beloved listeners uh, realize that. They don't go to their television television set Friday evening expecting a Utah game because you will not see it anymore. It was originally scheduled for Friday, FS1, uh, and then uh, earlier this week moved to the big noon kickoff following the Michigan-Ohio State uh, cancellation due to a COVID-19 outbreak uh, at the Wolverines. But before we get started, Nate Wade Subaru, share the love event going on right now, my people. 1207 South Main Street is their location. They also have a killer website, NateWadeSubaru.com, where you can find more information, all the deals, um, and everything happening with them. They're, they're fantastic people. They're the oldest Subaru dealership in North America. So, I mean, you know, it kind of speaks for itself, in my opinion. They've been around for 51 years now. Uh, they have a tremendous staff, really, really big, big organization and big dealership. Um, so the, the, plenty of help for you if you ever need it. But anyway, uh, Steve... How Yo. are you, dude? What's just what just fill me in on what's been going on in your week so far? Man, uh not a whole lot, Tom, to be to be quite honest. Not a whole lot. It's a lot of the same. It's you know, just another day, another dollar type of a deal. Mm. Um but you know, just just kind of getting ready, obviously with basketball going on now. It's just kind of it's still kind of weird getting used to the fact that, you know, we've We've got Utah football and granted it is like their season is coming to an end and then you've got basketball. So like, really, I don't know why it's so weird, but it's just been kind of weird to have mm. football and basketball going at the same time um, over the last month or after, over the last couple of weeks. But uh, you know, the running Utes had a victory and then they'll be playing BYU. So, you know, rivalry week for both teams. <laughs> um, <laughs> for both basketball and football, but man, it's been good. It's been a good week. How about you, man? You, you, you doing okay. You hanging in there with, you know, Christmas coming up in a couple of weeks. You, you holding up. Okay. I'm doing, I'm doing well. We're, you know, the, good. the clan over here, there's four of us, including the dog. We're, we're kind of just ticking on by. I, I, I will admit, I really haven't done much Christmas shopping, so I probably ought to start thinking about yeah, that. Me neither. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's a, that's a slight concern, but, but no, I'm good. Look, uh, I know we don't talk much about the running nudes. You brought them up. They're two and zero um, yeah. with a pretty, pretty new starting five. Ryland Jones at the point, and then of course Timmy Allen uh, returned, um, who's who's a sensational scorer uh, and really quite an enjoyable prospect, yeah. I think, for NBA teams. But anyway, it's been good to see them. I must admit, you know, I, ch- I try to tune into as many games as I can. Yeah, I like Larry Kristoviak a ton. I think uh, I know a lot of people out there probably don't enjoy him as much as I do and that's okay. Yeah. Uh yep. I I I I pl- I've played golf with him and and we've you know communicated over the years. He's, oh man. He's a good dude, dude. I'm just yeah. telling you you can hate his basketball no, coach I know. as much as you want, but he um he's a good he's good people for sure. He is. He is and so yeah. Man, I'm sure you guys had some stories on on the golf course too. Like he 
you get him talking and he'll just he'll go and you'll just end up on some of the craziest stories and that kind of stuff. I would have been I would have been fun to experience that for sure. It was it was a good time. And he can hit the ball That's pretty cool. well. It was funny, we played it uh quickly and then we'll get into the conversation yes. surrounding Utah football. But you know, we were playing at uh, Willow Creek Country Club, which is, you know, okay. a reasonably pristine golf course. It's yeah. It's um it's hosted a few a few rather large events over the years, but, but nonetheless, it's a country club and, and you kind of got to dress the part and act the part. You will see Porsches, Ferraris and Lamborghinis in the parking lot. It's that sort of place. And, uh, and of course, coach Chris Doviak shows up. He's in his Utah sweatpants. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> nice. I'm like, I'm like, coach, man, come on. And I don't know what car he drives. I, 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 I can't remember. Uh, sure. But it's a nice car, right? I mean, the man's on good money, so he yeah. drives a nice vehicle. And uh, so here, here, in comes this, you know, high roll of luxury vehicle, and out comes this gigantic human uh, in sweatpants. And I'm like, "Could you know what we're playing? Don't you, you big donkey? Come on, what the <laughs> hell are you doing, man?" <laughs> That's and, awesome. Uh, to no surprise, <laughs> I I heard I heard about it after he left from uh, a, ah. few the, a few of the people that I said, "Well, you know what." I don't know. I don't know really what you want me to do. Uh, the yeah. man's on. The man's on like four million bucks a year or whatever the hell it is. If he wants to wear sweatpants, you want me to tell him what to do? I'm not yeah. going to tell him how to dress, dude. He's made, he makes right. more money than I could ever poke a <laughs> stick at. So you know, just you can be the one. Next time, you can be the one to say something to him. How about yeah, that? Uh, you break the news to him. Yeah, it's not my job. I'm just here to try yeah. and start a conversation. But anyway, no, it's good to see the running you. So I, I think that's fine. Yeah. And obviously, the beat, the beat. What time is that uh, game against BYU this week? Oh shoot, I don't even know. No, I think it's an afternoon game. Let me look it up real quick. Oh, good. I didn't mean to put I should know. I wrote a preview on the game. Well, I think it just goes to show how much you work. Because normally when you write, and like, like, you know, I'm good for like two articles a day. And I can generally yeah. remember like specifics from the article. But you knock out, you know, I don't know, five, six to ten articles a day. And at that point, everything just kind of gels with with one yeah. another so yeah uh, no it is so it is a it's saturday afternoon four o'clock 4 p.m okay cool on byu tv though that's lame yeah our good friend dave mccann will likely be a present oh. uh <laughs> i i, I yeah, love, good I, friend i love i i i love dave i do i actually poke fun i make a lot of fun i forgot yeah when i no, see I him i make that. a lot of fun of him because he's just so outrageous i mean it's Oh, oh no doubt, man. It's unbearable. I must admit, it is unbearable to, to kind of listen to him talk. He kind of walks in, he's got that strut, you know, that cocky yeah. little strut of his, and he BYU blue just screaming at you from distances. Ugh. And uh, uh, he is a character, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, BYU TV, there you go. Fun, fun, fun. Uh, we have a football game. We do. That we. Uh, we should, it's, it is worth talking about. I do promise. It's it's oh yeah. It's the biggest game of the year. Can you believe that? Yeah. We're in December and we're talking about the biggest game of the year. And, and it's not a Pac-12 championship game. It's far from it. Um, it's it's the undefeated Colorado Buffaloes. Steve, how crazy is that? Isn't that like they're four and no? Now, granted, looked at the resumes and all that flash, right? So they beat. Uh, sure. And again, I I wrote a few stories on this yesterday, so I'm kind of testing my memory um, as to. Who they beat? They beat UCLA, then they beat Stanford. I think Stanford's their best win. And then, uh, but UCLA, I, I, I will admit, I, I do think Chip Kelly's actually started to figure out how to coach the UCLA Bruins. I think they're no, um, no, no peep squeak anymore either. But, but anyway, back to back wins to start the season against two pretty good teams. You know, nothing, nothing to to write home about necessarily, but still, nonetheless, pretty sufficient. UCLA, Stanford, then they beat San Diego State. Uh, who historically are normally a pretty good program, they they just turn out yep. running backs, man. But they, they've, of course, had a head coaching change, and so that program's kind of got a question mark surrounding it uh, at the minute. Um, and then recently they beat the Arizona Wildcats, um, who who aren't great um, and haven't been really ever since Kevin Sumlin took over, to be frank. But uh, they're 4-0. I mean, look, they haven't lost. Yeah. And uh, Utah's now 1-2. Um, and I think two losses Utah had to, to of course, USC and Washington, uh, uh, both harder games than what uh, any anyone Colorado's played. Um, 
And so I guess, you know, take that for what it's worth. But the win against Oregon State, I thought, was was good and hopefully will add some momentum to 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 this game against Colorado. I, I, Steve, I want to start here. I, I saw at Ute Zone, now this was a VIP piece, so if you're not a VIP member, you wouldn't have been able to to read this. But but you wrote a piece, kind of some of the formidable matchups to, to keep yeah. an eye on. Um, and, and, and I want to start there because, you know, the, those are the, the matchups, the players that I think Utah fans are probably care most about. Um, who were the players, both from Utah yeah. and, of course, Colorado, that you think we need to all keep an eye on? Yeah, you know, when I, I started to do a, a deeper dive on Colorado, uh, I think yesterday I really kind of started to buckle down and take a look at what they were doing. Obviously, you look at that 4-0 record, and, um, you know, it's you'd much rather be 4-0 than 1-2, obviously. And, it, you know, regardless of who they've played this far and how those teams are playing, like, it's uh, it's always good to win, let's say that. And so, you know, when I watched Colorado, a few things kind of stood out in regards to the team. Um, defensively, first and foremost, they, they look uh, a lot better on the defense side of the ball. Um, aggressive defense. They're, they're, you know, kind of a similar defense with in terms of scheme, uh, utilizing a 4-2-5 type of personnel for the most part they've got three safeties that they like to utilize um and so you know it's it's an aggressive defense where Utah likes to kind of use their defensive tackles and, and defensive ends to you know get their hands on offensive linemen read and react Colorado's defensive front you know they're aggressive they're trying to get off blocks they're trying to make plays themselves um and that can leave them vulnerable um but they also you know can can make plays and so you know starting on the defense side of the ball I think it starts up front uh with Mustafa Johnson who's their big defensive tackle uh number like 31 34 something like that and so you know he's gonna stand out uh but Mustafa Johnson uh is playing some really good football right now he's big he's athletic he's quick and, you know, playing defensive tackle, he's going to have some some opportunities against Utah's interior, you know, three of Keaton Bills, Nick Ford or Orlando Umana, and, and then uh, Sata Oalaume. And so, you know, those guys have gotten better, uh, particularly uh, in the run game with their, their uh, run blocking, and they're going to have to be key. They're going to have to, um, you know, win some really tough <laughs> situations because – Mustafa Johnson is is playing some really good defense, some really aggressive defense from you know his defensive tackle position, and uh, and that's gonna you know so so on for for Utah's offense it starts up front with you know making sure uh, you uh, you know where Mustafa Johnson is at and that you pay him the the proper amount of attention because he's a playmaker and he's going to uh, he's going to make plays. So starts up front, Mustafa Johnson, uh, the big name. Uh, for Colorado on their defense is their linebacker, Nate Landman. He's, you know, and he's a good player. He's not playing his best football this, this season, but, uh, you know, he's productive and he's the most recognizable name um, for, for most fans that, that are following Colorado, you know, from, you know, from a casual point of view. So he, uh, um, Nate Landman. Yeah. So, sorry, Steve, quickly. He leads the team in tackles by right. significant margin. Yep. So he's got 47 total tackles. By the way, 34 of those were solo. Uh, yep. And then the other linebacker, who I'm sure you were going to bring up, Carson Wells, he has yeah. he has 25. He's next best. Yeah. And Carson Wells, he's kind of that – he's kind of utilized a little bit as like an edge linebacker, so kind of like a stud type of a backer where he can play linebacker. He can also play some defensive end. He's a bigger body at – at 6'3", 6'4", 250, somewhere in there. Little Trevor um, Riley, Nate Orchard. Yeah, yeah, that kind of that kind of player. So you know they've got some versatility um, up front with their linebackers and defensive line, uh, and then you know you, you go to the secondary and um, you've got a safety in Isaiah Lewis who is playing really good coverage, and then you've also got Mekki uh, Mackay Blackman uh, who's probably their their best cornerback. He's not the biggest guy at six foot, 160 pounds, um, but he's, he's quick. He's agile. 
and he's playing some really aggressive defense as well. I do think that there's some matchups for Utah to, to take advantage of. And, you know, I think kind of the thing here that, that needs to be talked about with the offense is the weather for the game. Um, you know, Friday night, it wasn't looking too good uh, with some snow in the forecast and you know, cold temperatures. That's, you know, makes it always makes things more difficult um, <clears throat> in the in the throw game. Um, it seems like that's still going to be the case Saturday morning. It sounds like there's going to be a pretty good chance of snow and, you know, cold temps. So we'll see what kind of impact that has um, on the passing game. But, you know, Utah, they're, they're going to have to win with the run game, obviously. Uh, and then, you know, as long as weather permits, they're going to have to take advantage of some opportunities in the secondary. Colorado, you know, they're good in the secondary, but they definitely allow for, for plays to be made and some opportunities to be had. Yeah, no question. I was sorry. I was, um, I was actually, you bring up the weather and I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I decided to go to weather.com because I, I'd heard this yesterday too <laughs> from a few of the players on Utah about that. And I was reading, so this is essentially what it says about the weather. Uh, mostly cloudy, with snow showers developing during the afternoon. Um, but look, it's going to be a high of 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess even if there isn't all that much snow in the morning, it's, it's going to be very, very, very cold. Uh, right. Freezing, essentially. I mean, 32 degrees Fahrenheit is the, is the equivalent. That's the freezing point, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that's zero <laughs> degrees Celsius. Uh, for all you guys out there that, that prefer the old There's your Celsius. weather lesson for today. Yeah, it's the same thing. 32 is yeah. Fahrenheit. It's crazy. That is really cold. So, um, this is, you know, this is a weather podcast, you know, so as a form there's, of, there's your weather lesson. As a former punter, I, uh, <laughs> I, I do not envy either Ben Lennon or, uh, or Colorado's punter this upcoming Saturday because that ball is going to be as hard as a rock. And, uh, oh. yeah, I guess it, it will be and it'll sting, uh, a fair bit, but, but I guess what I should say is um, th- that's going to have an impact, Steve. And that's, yeah. you know, that's worth talking about because, you know, 32 degrees is, is really cold as we've kind of harped yeah. on here. Um, and, 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 and throwing the football, I mean, it, 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 it'll affect everything. Let's be frank. So yeah, like generally when there's bad weather, you see football teams, Utah being one of them run the football a lot. Um because generally speaking, it's just a safer play uh, and, and there's less room for error, right? But at the same time, like taking a hit, Ty Jordan, for example, he, he carried the ball 27 times against Oregon State. If he, if he gets another 27 carries in weather that cold, I mean, his body yeah. is going to hurt and, oh, yeah. and his productivity is not going to be the same as maybe it would be in weather that's 15, 20 degrees higher than that. So, you know, every little aspect of it, the ball's cold, which means the hands are cold, which means every, you know, every ounce of your body is, is cold and just any shot you take hurts. I mean, catching the football yeah. all of a sudden becomes a problem because if you can't feel your fingers, you know, you're in some strife. Uh, now, I will say, and this is where I, I must give credit to the, 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 the equipment staff from Utah, and I imagine Colorado, look, college football now has evolved into a game that, you know, the, the, the equipment world is now you know, a rather formidable one. And in fact, you know, St- Steve, you know better than most, but a lot of kids these days coming out of high school, you know, are picking colleges and teams simply based on the, the logo. It's that, a factor, yeah. Shirts. I mean, it's like yeah. you know, the, 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 the equipment world is, is starting to become far more influential than maybe it, it, it once was. And so those, those equipment staff, what I'm getting at essentially, is they do a tremendous job of, of making sure the players are accommodated and they feel warm and, and you know, they, they've got heat. I mean, last time I was in Colorado, it was actually a snow game and it must have been two years ago now. Uh, and I was doing the sidelines for the radio broadcast. And so, um, and so I was down there, you know, it was cold, but they had these heaters that, that, that do quite a good job. I stood too close to, to one of the heaters, though, um, and I noticed Ooh. I was wearing um, Lululemon pants, you know, quite nice, comfortable pants. I try and keep myself comfortable when I'm uh, standing on my feet for quite some time. But I, I bloody burnt the elastic in the pad. And, uh, uh, yeah, I had this big black mark, this burnt mark on my bloody Lululemon <laughs> pants, and I've never been dang. able to wear them again. And so, you know, for, for those players that may be listening to this podcast, you know, just be hesitant or coaches or whoever's on the sideline, be hesitant about those 
heaters, they are sizzling. And, uh, yeah, they'll burn you for crying out loud. So, um, but anyway, the the weather's going to play a role. I, I wanted to ask you because you've played there, obviously, and and I've ne- I've never been to Folsom Stadium, Folsom Field. I've, been. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going though. I, I booked my my ticket same day round trip. Booked that thing. It was you know fifty bucks out the out the gate. So I'll be there. That's my first time. But what's what's the field like? Is it a grass field? Grass. What's it like? Because you've played there in 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 bad weather too, haven't you? I have. I I can't quite remember if it was snowing when I was playing there. There I. The most memorable moment from back in the day was when, and and Steve, you'll remember this. In fact, I hope most of our listeners remember this as well. Is the back-to-back kickoff return game? Yeah, um, with Reggie, with Reggie, and and Colorado returned to kickoff. This was like in the fourth quarter too. It was pretty late in the ball game, and right. uh, they returned to kickoff. And I just remember the feeling on the sideline being quite down. Uh, and then seconds later, Reggie Dunn decides to to do what Reggie Dunn did that year and and take yeah. take one to the house himself and. And then, of course, the sideline erupted, and we end up we end up winning that game, uh, fortunately. But you know, following that return kickoff for a touchdown, you thought maybe we're going to lose to the Buffs, which would not be yeah. cool. Um, yeah, they weren't very good, by the way. No, uh, they've had one good year. My existence in 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 in, uh, in America, they've had one good year. It was twenty sixteen, right, when they won the right. Pac twelve South, and they were okay. Yep. They got they ended up getting blown out by Washington in the Pac twelve championship game. So it was really a season about nothing in the end. But uh, I really like Boulder. I'm I'm not afraid to admit yeah. that. Uh, I think you'll have a blast. I think the f- the field's unique, right? It's it's different um, than 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 a lot of places. The town, though, I think the town's kind of where where all the magic happens. It's a college sure. town, you know. It's about right. 45 minutes an hour from Denver. Uh, we would always fly into Denver and then we'd just bus to uh, to Boulder. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a decent little trek about 45 minutes to an hour. As I said, once you get there though, it's a college town, a lot of kids around and, uh, and it's just got a really cool, unique vibe to it. You know, it's, it's yeah. much like, it, it really is quite similar to, to Salt Lake city, Utah, in the sense that, uh, a awesome. lot of mountains, uh, you know, scenery, beautiful, uh, the field itself, historic, the, the field though, I will say it's kind of got this, this older vibe to it. And, and you look up kind of where you'll be sitting right underneath where you'll be sitting, Steve, there's a ton of um, plaques and, and banners and, you know, they were national champions back in the right. day. Um, and so they've got that up there and all the historic players that once played for the Buffaloes. So, so you just get this sense that, you know, this is a historic program, the field itself, right. pretty good shape, the stadium, you know, it's, it's an older stadium. It's not, it's not all that new, um, but I really enjoy it. I think the vibe, the atmosphere, I think it's fun. Um, and of course they, there won't be any fans out there, I imagine. Uh, no. so the atmosphere may not be nearly as good, but you know, when right. those Colorado Buffalo hooligans get going, man, they start slugging <laughs> that, uh, you know, some of grandpa's cough medicine, you know, they can get a bit rowdy and, um, anyway, no, you'll have, you have a good time and, uh, yeah. It'll be a good game. I think that's the most important thing, right? So, look, Mel Tucker yeah. left last year, uh, and then Carl Durrell uh, was hired, former Miami Dolphins assistant under Brian Flores. Uh, in fact, I didn't know this, but I was doing some reading. Uh, Carl Durrell, he was promoted to assistant coach. He was in charge of the wide receivers like a week before he got hired by the Buffs. So he was kind of making his way up the NFL ranks right. and then jump ship back down to the college level, but he's done a tremendous job, hasn't he? So, yeah. he, you know, he would look, he was a wide receivers coach most recently at Miami. Is he, is he a defensive minded coach or is, or is he the opposite? Is he, is he more involved in the, in the offensive side? Because when you look at the numbers, Steve, offensively for the Buffs, and I'll bring them up quickly just to refresh everybody. So the quarterback, Sam Neuer, I mean, he's only got 742 passing yards th- through four games. I mean, it's not, Horrible, but it, it you know it's not it's not anything mm-hmm. too special either. And then their running backs got similar numbers, seven hundred and thirty-three rushing yards. So quarterback, running back, sense as if that they're, they're going at about fifty percent a click. You know their offense right. could be better, right? Is is kind of where I'm getting at. Um, yeah. Where does he focus most of his attention on, Coach Durrell? You know, Durrell has, for me at least, just kind of knowing. Uh, he was he was actually the head coach at UCLA uh, about twelve years or so ago when when Pete Carroll had USC really kind of playing well, um, and so I 
I had I had low expectations for Carl Durrell as a coach. I didn't know much about him, to be honest. Uh, but just kind of understanding and, and reading up on him, uh, he didn't make a, a, a strong impression during his time at UCLA. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think expectations were all that high for him coming to Colorado. But he's, you know, regardless, like he's surpassed whatever expectations were were laid upon him, you know, preseason wise. And I think what's been interesting with Darrell is he really, you know, as much as he's tried to come in and and put his stamp on the program, he's also allowed those that have been there um, to 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 remain, uh, you know, on staff and and in their place. And talking about their offensive and defensive coordinators. Uh, Darrell did, you know, he made the wise decision in keeping them there um, at Colorado. And that's kind of fueled a lot of their um, success this season because there wasn't a lot of transition. And especially, you know, that those decisions look so much uh, more intelligent now that we've gone through what we have this season, you know, this year with everything, you know, with all the practices, spring ball loss, like the fact that he elected to keep those guys intact uh, really has paid dividends, and so there's a lot of a lot of continuity on staff despite him coming and, and kind of bringing his own ideas. But I think Darrell has done a good job of focusing more on culture and and, and building the camaraderie in the locker room. At least that's kind of been uh, the message from those that we've talked to about Colorado and Carl Darrell specifically. And so I think that's kind of where he's he's made the biggest impact with Colorado. He's just kind of come in there and, and build up uh, the, the culture there and, and try to establish in his own culture and, and identity. And I think players have bought into it and it helps that, you know, they've got their, their offensive corner coordinator. Uh, I think it's Darren or Devin Chavarini. Um, you know, he's back and then their defensive coordinator, I'm blanking on his name, but he brings both those guy, guys back, and that really kind of helped the players, you know, particularly the recruits um, from last year because they were all recruited by Mel Tucker, who bolted, you know, in that strange situation with, with Michigan State and, and the fact that the, the, the coordinators were able to, to remain at Colorado, I think kind of helped a lot of those recruits stay bought into Colorado and, and what they were doing. And so that's kind of been the biggest impact that Carl Durrell has had on the program is he's just, he's allowed those that have been in place to remain in place. And has just kind of focused on culture and game management and, and that kind of thing. He hasn't really, you know, put his fingerprints on the offensive or defensive side too much. Obviously he's working with them closely, but I think that's where he's had the biggest impact on this Buffalo program. Yeah, it's it's been fun to kind of watch. I I, I got to admit, it's um you know, it, and and the reason I say that is because I just just don't think many people really saw it coming. And and again, yeah. at the top of the show, we kind of talked about how their resume thus far really isn't all that pretty. I mean, they, UCLA, Stanford, I legitimately think that they're, they're good wins for that program. Right. They, uh, you know, I don't know what Vegas had them at, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Vegas probably didn't think they were going to win those games. They end up coming. I think up it was one and a half was the the over under on their win total. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. So, um, so I guess it was it was closer than I thought. Now, um, I do want to preface this, and then I want to get your take. Right. Uh, yeah. Jarek Broussard is is good. Uh, yeah. He's really good. In fact, you know, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be this game is going to be won or lost on the ground, right? Because you've got right. two freshmen in Ty Jordan going up against Jarek Broussard from Colorado. You know, I know, I know, I know. I made a mistake earlier. I said, you know, the quarterback got seven forty-two yards, and the running backs got seven thirty-three. You know, so it's kind of like 50 percent a click, right? But no, that's not necessarily the case. In fact, they've run the football more than they've attempted to throw it. Um, okay. One hundred and fifteen attempts through four games, and and yet he's averaging six point four yards a carry. He's got three touchdowns, a long of seventy-five, so he shows that burst away speed. And again, seven hundred and thirty-three yards. So, so what sort of player is Broussard? Is he a, is he a Ty Jones type, where he's super explosive? Steve, is he more of a Devin Brumfield, who's just a battering ram? I mean, or is he kind of all of the above? What sort of player is Utah dealing with when it comes to Broussard at the running back spot? 
Yeah, you know, he's he's an interesting um, player when you watch him. He's he's definitely more of, you know, the explosive type back. When I watch him, I get um, I get uh, uh, John White the fourth kind oh, of vibes man. when I watch him. The so, yeah, so, so, <laughs> so, so, you know, not like the explosive type of athlete that Ty Jordan is, but a good athlete that is decisive um, will, will run tough, uh, but he'll definitely make you miss. Uh, and so that's kind of the vibe that I get when I watch Bruce Sard and he kind of came out of nowhere. Like we were talking to Adam Munster tiger of buffstampede.com, which is, you know, our sister site at 24 seven sports. Um, and he was, he was telling us that Broussard wasn't even the fourth running back on the preseason depth chart. Like wow. he, yeah, he came out of nowhere and, and really just kind of surprised. And, and, you know, he's going to be playing with a knee brace. I think, I think it's on his right, right leg, but he's got a knee brace on one of his legs. It's, you know, he's 50%. If I say the right leg, I'm 50, I'm shooting 50% if I'm right or wrong. I don't know which leg it is exactly. Is but. that recent? No, is that recent, the knee brace? or, or? No, so he injured it coming into the year. So he, okay. this is this is him coming back from an injury, basically. Um, My goodness, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they still it, fed him 150 times. Right. 115 yeah. times, I should say. Sorry. yeah. And you know he's produced, and and when you have when you put together a game like you do against Arizona, anytime you can run for you know 100 yards, that's a pretty solid game for a running back. You know when you run for 200 yards, that's really good. Like that's a damn good game. When you run for 300 yards, like you're doing something extraordinary. And and granted, it was against Arizona, and Arizona isn't the the greatest defense. Um, but still, running for 300 yards, which is what he did last week against Arizona, uh, just tremendous. He averaged 12 yards a carry, um, 10 yards after contact. And how that can yards, tell us. How many carries did he have? He had 25 attempts. Wow. For yeah. 300 bills? Yeah. So pretty, pretty impressive, man. Uh, pretty, pretty impressive. So, you know, and he's averaging, he averaged 10 yards after contact. Which, which can tell us two things. So, one, he's running tough. Um, and then, two, uh, he's, he's, he's explosive. He's got some athleticism where he can get big chunk yards after breaking a tackle or something. Um, and so just, just an impressive job by him. I'll uh, add to that, Steve. Three, Arizona can't tackle. Right. Yes. And that's something that Utah, you know, for, for all of the youth and inexperience, on on the defense they've they've tackled really well so far this season and it's something that you just kind of take for granted but there there have been missed tackles but overall this team has been a pretty good tackling team i believe you i I think utah's got the number one rush defense in the pac-12 it's up there yeah it's up there don't quote it's at least top three it's at least top three which is why this matchup is so sal- salivating, isn't it? You've right. This running back who's just coming off a game where he's he's gone for three hundred yards, mind you. You know, you like, and that's why I asked you how many carries did he have because you think of three hundred yards, was well, like, you know, they, they probably fed him forty times. <laughs> yeah, twenty-five carries. I mean, Jordan uh, Ty Jordan had twenty-seven a week ago, and he clocked in at one hundred and sixty-seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, which is, by the way, a very good game. Yes. Uh, and to have two less carries and go for, you know, nearly double the yard. It just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and to your point, Tom, just want to – so Utah is the top-ranked rush defense, both okay. in terms of total yards allowed, obviously, because, you know, they've they've played three games and so other teams have played four and five, but also in, regard, in regards to rushing average allowed – uh, they're they're only allowing 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, UCLA is next at 3.6, and then there's a little bit of a jump to Arizona State at 4.3. And then also yards per game, Utah is only allowing 104 yards a game, and UCLA is second at 143 yards. So pretty significant jump from first to second. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and this will be this will be an. Uh, a good test 
for this Utah defense. And I actually really like the way that they match up um, in terms of their style of run defense, where they, they're more of, you know, get your hands on offensive linemen and then read and react. I think that that's going to be, that's going to play to their benefit this week with the Colorado rushing attack with Jarek Broussard. And then also their quarterback, Sam Neuer, who's, you know, he was playing safety last year. Um, you know, he's got a solid arm, but he's definitely more of a running threat. Hold on. Uh, and so that's going to be key. Sam Neuer was playing safety for the Buffs yeah. last year? Yes. And this, yes, he was. This team's 4-0. Yeah, 4-0. Okay. Pretty crazy. I just wanted to clarify that. Uh, yes. That is insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it is, insane, man. insane, man. I mean, good, yeah. good for him. But look, I, I guess I wanted to quickly say in regards to the Utah Rush defense, how it's ranked number one. It's worth noting USC is, a, is, is certainly a passing team now. They're, sure. they're, they're all about the air, right? They did, have, they did have success running the football, though. I mean, they were getting pushed off the line. Their the, the, mm-hmm. O-linemen were run protecting really quite well, I thought, and they were, they were picking up five yards a carry. But they, they don't run enough to really threaten teams. I thought Utah did a right. tremendous job, Steve, against Washington because they have, you know, that, that one-two punch yeah. at running back who previously had been really, really good. And I thought Utah were were excellent at stopping the, the yep. Washington run. And we said it prior to that game, right, if, if Utah can limit or, or stop the Huskies from running the football effectively, they're going to be in that contest. And, uh, and they, yep. they were able to do that. And they should have won the game, to be fair. And then, of course, last week against Oregon State, um, they were without their tailback, Jefferson, uh, who's, who's maybe the best running back. Well, I guess it's probably right. between Broussard and, and Jefferson at this point in the entire conference. And so, you know, I guess what, what I'm getting at is we, we do have to probably put a little asterisk next to the, the statistics suggesting Utah's rush defense is the, one, is the first in the league because outside of Washington, and, and again, I, I was – thrilled with with the way they handled Washington's run attack but outside of that team the two other teams they played you know one was without their their starting tailback and sure. and the other team doesn't really run the football at all so this is this is a massive test for this Utah defense uh specifically uh, as it relates to stopping the run now you bring up Sam Neuer who by the way played safety a year ago it's absurd you know and and I guess it does make it a bit of sense now because I'm looking at his numbers and then I'm comparing him to Jake Bentley's numbers who's been average I think that's fair to say I'm sure Jake will tell you the same he hasn't been great they're pretty similar uh so Neuer's going at 62% completion percentage Bentley's going at 64 um they've both thrown Four interceptions. They've both taken five sacks. Now, Sam Noy has thrown one extra touchdown. He's got four next to his name. Bentley's got three. Um, but my point here is, you know, very little separates the two, the two quarterbacks. Uh, Bentley averages six, just over six yards a throw on average. Noy is just over seven. So maybe you'd give the, the nod to Neuer, uh, but nonetheless, two very similar quarterbacks from a statistical standpoint, which is why I think personally, Steve, the quarterback battle really isn't going to be the defining factor in this game. It's going to be the battle at the running back position. And, and what, I like, what I like with Utah is that they've got, they've got depth there. You know, they've, yeah. Ty Jordan leads the team in rush attempts with 44. Devin Brumfield has 21. Jordan Wilmore has 18. But when you look at Colorado and, and their – their attack, oh, I think I've deleted the thing. But, but you know, the, Broussard's got like uh, 115. The next best is, is their running back, who's, who I think is in like the teens. So, you know, they, they don't have the depth. Utah has a tailback, right? No, I, I agree with you there. They've got some talent in there, but just not a lot of proven ability um, at the running back position. And so Broussard is obviously, uh, you know, the the – top of the board on in terms of the game plan and who you're looking to stop. I agree with you. I do think, you know, when you're comparing Sam Neuer and Jake Bentley, you, you kind of have to give the nod to Sam Neuer in this, uh, in this discussion. Um, you know, obviously he's led the team to a four and record. So he's doing something right. But when you look at his production, uh, in terms of the passing game, it's not all that great. Sixty-one and a half percent completion percentage, four touchdowns, four interceptions, um, and, and you mentioned his his yards per average 
uh, yards per attempt at, at just a shade over seven yards. Um, you know, but I think the difference here is what Sam Noyer brings in in the running game. And, and you know, to, to Bentley's credit, like he's surprised, I think, all of us with his mobility in terms of what he's been able to bring. Um, you know, with his mobility, he's had to run quite a bit. <laughs> and, and create some yards, create some opportunities. And so, you know, he's been a pleasant surprise there, but I think we you still have to give the nod to Neuer. Um, but in terms of the running game, you have to like what Utah brings with their four, you know, running backs with Wilmore, Brunfield, Jordan, and, and Mackay Bernard, yeah. um, and, and just kind of how they complement each other. You know, you've got a back for uh, just about every – <laughs> everything, every aspect of the game, uh, and and really like what we've seen from the two young guys uh, in Jordan and Bernard with their athleticism and what they're able to do. Uh, I really think, you know, if Utah uh, wants to to utilize those guys more, they'd be wise to do so with Jordan and Bernard. I think that's kind of the future of the position. Um, it's crazy because Makai Bernard is – He's only he's he's in his second year and he he only just turned 18 in October. So uh, kind of tells you how, you know, he's still young. He's in his second year at Utah, but he's still young in terms of his uh, actual maturity and, and, you know, physical growth. So he's he's got a bright future at Utah. And then obviously we know what, what Ty Jordan is doing. But, you know, and also with this is just how well Utah is is blocking in up front in the run game. Um, you know, and obviously I say that and everybody, you know, listening to this, everybody's reaction is, well, they can't pick up the one yard. And yes, that's true. They did not pick up the one yard. They did not convert on any of those power yardage situations. That was disappointing. But um, throughout that game against Oregon State and throughout the game against Washington, they've been able to generate movement and create some opportunities for Utah's running game. And I think that their, their blocking in the run game is, is an advantage that I would give to them over Colorado coming into this matchup. Um, and, and think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a, a big key for Utah to win as well. Yeah. No, no, no kidding, man. Uh, and I agree. I think Utah offensively, they've gotten decent push off the line of scrimmage yeah. uh, from their front five. It's just, they can't do it when it matters. And that's, yeah, really, what separates good teams from great teams, isn't it, Steve? Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I do want to quickly apologize. I was I was wrong. Uh, I deleted my tab that I was kind of working with. Um, Sam Neuer has thirty eight attempts on the ground, so he's not in the teams. And then the next running back actually has twenty two. What what I didn't quite realize, you know, when I was doing my 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 research prior to this podcast. Uh, and I've actually just kind of seen it now. Sam Neuer, right? You talk about him being a safety and being pretty effective on the ground, Steve. I mean, he's got five touchdowns on the ground. Yeah. Zard has three, right? Their lead back who's just come off a 300-yard game. He only has three touchdowns on the ground. Neuer, the quarterback, has five. I mean, that's yeah, – yeah. this is a, a very much – the more you think about it, the more you look at the numbers, the more you watch the tape. This is, this is a run-first football team. And right. for Utah to have any shot, they, they have to do a good job in, in the run game, stopping the run game. Um, would you agree? I, I do. And I do think that, um, you know, Colorado, they've improved each and every game on the defensive side of the ball. But we've kind of seen them, you know, and obviously when you run for 300 yards against Arizona, like you're doing a lot of things right. But there have been issues over the last two weeks in the passing game with Sam Neuer, and I think teams have kind of got the book out on him. Um, and I think, you know, Utah's secondary is, you know, they've played surprisingly well. Um, obviously, it's a different game plan than what we saw last year in terms of, you know, the aggressiveness in, in one-on-one man coverage opportunities. They've been a little bit safer with these guys, a little bit more uh, cautious and and playing some off coverages and that kind of thing, which, you know, that's smart. You've got a young group that needs to learn and, and needs to adapt to the speed of the game. And, and you're putting them in the best to position to succeed. And that's what you're doing with that secondary. And they're playing well. And so I, I think that uh, their play is going to help, you know, the defense as a whole in terms of limiting Colorado's effectiveness in the passing game. But yeah, this comes back to stopping the run, um, 
with Sam Neuer. And here's the thing is like, he hasn't been, we talked about his interceptions. He's got four. He's also fumbled it five times. Oh, wow. Um, and so like, that's a, that's a big deal. Granted. So he's, he's fumbled it four times, but they've only lost it once. So it's, it's a little deceiving to only see the, the, the one loss fumble, but he's actually credited with five fumbles. So there, there may be an opportunity to recover a fumble in this game, um, especially with the weather and everything like that. But yeah, through, through four games, he's fumbled it five times, um, thrown four interceptions. So if Utah can be a little opportunistic, you know, on Saturday and protect the ball themselves, that'll go a long way in this matchup. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, you bring up the secondary. I, I think it's only fitting we, we give a quick shout out to uh to Vontae Davis. Oh Steve. man. Like no like his like nobody saw it coming. I guess that's what yeah. I'm getting to. And and it's I'm just so thrilled for the young man to be making plays. He leads the team in, in interceptions. Uh and I feel as though he's been he's been really fun to watch. He's explosive. He he's catching those interceptions too. The the one against Oregon State. I mean, he read the he read the route. He jumped it. He he yep. caught the football cleanly, which you don't always see from safeties. And then, you know, he shows his explosive ability upon the return, picking up 20, 20 30 odd yards, giving Utah prime position to uh, to punch the football into the end zone. So, yep. um, so I just wanted to give a shout out to Vontae Davis, uh, the safety. He's also a senior, if I'm not mistaken. I think I'm pretty sure he's a senior. So he's kind of. Yep. Done his time, right? If you will, that kind of sounds like he's he's been in prison. He hasn't, although some may consider Utah football <laughs> program prison. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, he, he has. He's like you know, he's kind of waited and yeah, uh, and been patient, and he stuck around. And that's not every, you, you don't really right see that no. a ton these days. Kids transfer, um, yeah, and he's just he's uh, credit to his his personality. His, uh, his his willingness to, to kind of just, I, I hate saying this, but trust the process, which is something Utah football head coach Kyle Whittingham yeah. uses a ton. So uh, I'm excited to watch him go back to work and alongside Nate Ritchie, a, a freshman who I'm sure is learning a ton alongside Vontae Davis. But I agree with you. I think that secondary for Utah has been fun to watch. They've, they've kind of been tracking the football, ball hawks, if you will. And uh, Coach Scali, I guess to no real surprise, has, has put his – put his players in into positions to uh, to just continue to make plays, which is yeah. why, whether you, you like it or not, based on the scandal that we saw a few months ago, his Morgan Scali's name will continue to be in head coaching conversations around the country. I mean, he just, you know, at the end of the day, he, he made a mistake and we talked about it uh, and time does heal wounds. And I think time is healing that one specific wound. Uh, there is no excuse for the actions he made. I don't want to get on kind of my soapbox and, and start defending Coach Scally again, but he, he just he knows how to coach football teams at the college level and, and defenses, and he's a he's really good at it. And and Dante yeah. Davis is another great example of that. You know, Coach Scally yeah. handles the defense as a whole, but specifically his position his position group is the safety group. So uh, he's he's come through again for Utah, and I I personally am, am happy for him. Yeah, no, and and. You know, Vontae Davis made a great play on that interception against their Oregon State, it, you know, because you, you go back and watch the play. It was a cover one disguise with Nate Ritchie deep, uh, and then he dropped uh, aggressively into a, a cover two defense and made the read while he's dropping into coverage and, and made the break on the play and uh, just a, a fantastic play. And uh, he's – and I asked Kyle Whittingham about him, and he's he said – Kyle Whittingham said this week – you know, he's arguably the, the most improved player on the team this year, uh, talking about Vontae Davis. Just the growth that he's made, you know, because he's had – obviously you've got the guys that you have in the secondary last year, Julian Blackman, uh, Terrell Burgess, those guys. Uh, that's going to be tough to, to overcome them for, for playing time. Um, and in the limited reps that he got last year, you know, there was one play he got burned in, uh, burned on, uh, and I think there was a, a lot of concern, um, and I think that came against uh, Northern Illinois, I think is where that, that happened. Um, but there was just concern, and, you know, th- this season we haven't seen that from him. He's improved tremendously. Um, you know, he is a senior, and he will have the option to come back, and I think, you know, if you're looking at it, you're hoping that he comes back because he's made this progress, and, 
you know, if he returns next year, uh, which I, I think the fair expectation is that he will, uh, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be counted on to lead the secondary. And I think you can, you can go into next season feeling confident uh, he'll be able to do that. So, you know, he's played well and he definitely deserves a shout out um, because he's, he's playing some really, really good, good defense at, at that free safety spot. Yeah. Uh, I do want to bring up uh, quickly and, and then, you know, we are running out of time here, but um, yeah, I think a similarity between the two programs right now, I think that, you know, I personally actually think there, there are quite a few. We've, we've harped on the running game, you know, and, and both teams have a different run attack, right? Utah's yeah. uh, has a few more options than what Colorado's does, but, but both have been, you know, effective in their own right. And, and you look at kind of the pass catches as well. And I think it's a similar story in the sense that Jake, uh, so Brent Keithy leads all receivers in uh, receptions with 16. Uh, and then and then Ty Jordan's got seven as, as the next best receiver when it comes to reception. I mean, like Brian Thompson's only got five receptions on the year, but he's got 113 yards. That's just nine yards shy of Brian Keithy, who has 16, which is 11 more receptions than Brian Thompson. So Brian Thompson has shown that he is a deep threat and he can make plays. He's averaging 22 yards a catch, but he only has five receptions. I think Utah needs to do a better job of getting Brian Thompson, who's shown time after time, whenever he's healthy, he's arguably the best receiver Utah has. Uh, they need to get him more involved in the in the smaller intermediate routes, specifically early on in the game, Steve. They need to try and find the yeah. football and they need to share the wealth. And, and I know I talked about this earlier in the week, you know, where, where Utah's got enough talent on the offensive side that there isn't a defense that they're going to come against where a defense can match all of the skilled players on Utah's offense. And I think this week's another example of that. Colorado has a good defense, but they don't have enough players that can can comfortably say, you know, we have Utah football offensive offense covered. Uh expose the, the mismatch, whether it be, hopefully it's Brian Thompson. I really like Brian Thompson as a player. I think he is going to play in the NFL uh, if he can stay healthy. Like Solomon Enos, I feel sorry for. He's another guy that's super talented. Britton Covey now looks like he's healthy. So so these are the sort of players that they, they need to find the ball. They share the wealth. You know, it's all fair and fun and games for Brant Keithy to get the football, you know, every time they throw it, but it becomes one-dimensional. And he's a good player, Brant Keithy. I'm not saying he's not, yeah. but... There are a lot of other good players on that team too that deserve the football. And if you're not careful, you know, if you if you're not careful, Andy Ludwig, Jake Bentley, whoever it may be, you know, it's it's going to get ugly, and these players are going to start feeling pissed off. And then all of a sudden, the locker room changes, and the vibe and the culture is now kind of diminishing. And and so you, you've got to find a way to share the wealth and 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 get some of these players that that can ultimately take over football games involved. Right now they haven't been able to do that. And, and again, I want to say that maybe the weather doesn't allow that. I, I don't know. We'll wait and see. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you look at Colorado and they, they've got kind of a similar issue going on, you know, with their with their pass catches. So Dimitri Stanley has 15 catches on the year. Uh, and then Levante Chenault who uh I believe is LaVisca Younger brother, brother yep. which yep. is petrifying, yep. has 14 receptions. Right. Uh, and then outside of that, they've got guys that have like seven, five, six, but you know, so they've got maybe if they've got two guys that they've lent on, Utah's really yep. only got one and that's Brant Keithy. who's a proven commodity this year. So yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think both teams have issues finding playmakers on the outside. Both teams have effectively, and productively run the football, and both teams have quarterbacks that can be suspect. Right. So yeah, I and, think and it's a very fair matchup, Steve. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It, there are a lot of similarities between the two programs right now. And 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 to Brent's credit, like he met with the media earlier this week, and he even said, like, yeah, we've got to get other guys involved. Like, you know, I, I – we need to get the receivers and running backs involved in the passing game. So I think he, he even understands that, you know, it can't just be him. It's gotta be everybody uh, and, and, and get the other skill player players, the, the opportunities in the passing game. And so, you know, yeah, I think if, as long as the weather isn't crazy, I think Utah has to kind of make a, make it a point of emphasis to get these, pass catchers the ball and let them showcase their ability a little bit more. And I think, you know, it starts with Brian Thompson. 
And so long as he's healthy and ready to go and is 100%, which it sounds like he is, uh, I think you got to get him the ball. I think you've got to get uh, Britton Covey involved in, in multiple ways. And I think if you're able to do that, um, that's going to be a huge factor in the game. And, and, you know, it would be nice to see Jake Bentley have a good game um, where you can go into that final game next week uh, with a bit more confidence and maybe have an opportunity to kind of put a full offensive game plan together where you just say, all right, man, balls to the wall. Let's do this. Let's go out. Let's have some fun. Let's throw the ball around. Let's run the ball and do just a, a bunch of different things. But I think Jake Bentley has to show progress this week. Again, <laughs> weather permitting that they are able to throw the ball. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you there, Tom. I think Utah has to do uh, a better job of getting their receivers, getting their skill players involved this week. I think they do. Um, and, and I think it goes a long ways for Utah uh, on Saturday. Uh, all right, Steve, we'll put a bow on this podcast and end with this. Utah's a two-point dog. The spread is two points in favor of the Buffs. If gambling was legal in Utah, and I want to reiterate, gambling is not legal in the state of Utah. So <laughs> we do not gamble, but it's always fun to play the, uh, to play the old game, you know, uh, without throwing any money down. If you're yep. in a state like Vegas or... Or it's a state like Vegas, my goodness, a state like Nevada, <laughs> uh, where you could gamble. Actually, I, I think Colorado is a state where you where you can gamble legally as well. But anyway, uh, where would you put your money? You know, I I like the matchup and and how Utah matches up here. Just they've got a, a style of defense that they play that's that fits really well. It matches up really well against this Colorado rushing attack. Um, I like Utah's blocking up front and I think I think we see them take a step forward I think it was clear that Kyle Whittingham was was pissed at at the the short yardage situations and I think uh, they get some of those addressed this week you know in those opportunities so uh, I'm gonna take if I were placing a bet if I were a gambling man and all I gamble is skittles I would put my skittles on Utah. I'm running that Utah chain with you. Now, uh, all right. Uh, hey, I, I, I do need to get to this quickly. Uh, have you heard? I haven't heard anything, so I just want to know if you have. And maybe you can't talk about it, but uh, Orlando Amana, we didn't see. Had, we haven't seen him play for now two weeks after kind of getting a knock in that first game. And then Samson Nakua also is suffering with an ankle injury. He didn't participate uh, until Hans' team was required against Oregon State. Have you heard any word as to whether or not those two will suit? Yeah, you know, I've heard that they're in pretty good shape. We may see them, but they may elect just to to be cautious with them, uh, particularly Orlando and 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 his ankle. Um, I, I think with the way that Utah's offensive line has come together over the last three weeks, you're able to afford being a little bit more cautious with him. Um, I was told if this were a regular season game, you know, when a, in a I don't want to say regular season, but in a normal season uh, last week, you probably we probably would have seen Orlando and Samson uh, more likely Orlando. So I think it's just that kind of thing. They're being a little bit more cautious with guys just considering the season. But uh, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think I don't think there's a big need to to bring Orlando back just because the offensive line has taken a big step forward in his absence, and so you know. I would hate to see them rush, uh, rush him back and then also potentially, you know, impact chemistry and that kind of stuff on the offensive front. So that's all that I've heard. Okay. He's Steve Bartle. Check him out. Uh, you can follow him by, by going to utone.com or on Twitter at sbartle247. I'm Tom Hackett. Uh, you can see me and my work at carouselsports.com or on Twitter at Tom Can't Hackett. This podcast, by the way, sponsored by Nate Wade Subaru who we love and adore oh so dearly as uh, the year ticks on by. We're coming to a conclusion. Thank heavens. Uh, and we still have football to talk about. We love you guys. We appreciate you tuning in. And we'll be back early next week to dissect what will be hopefully a Utah win as they take on the undefeated Colorado Buffaloes in Boulder, Colorado. See you and be well.
I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.